Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome to an episode of Podcast on Fifth Avenue. I'm Taylor Haas, uh, joined now by Danny Shiree. I know we haven't recorded, um, I want to say since November, it's been a few months, but we're back. We're going to be every Saturday again, and Danny, uh, you're the new co-host. Congratulations. I'm, I'm very excited about the start to a hopefully illustrious podcasting career. Yeah, so uh, good time to bring the show back with the trade deadline quickly approaching March 3rd at 3 p.m., just a couple weeks away. (laughs) The Penguins really aren't, I guess, in a position to be big players, would you say, are they? Uh, No, they're not. And that's slightly concerning considering the the current state of the team. I I struggle to envision a scenario where there's going to be like any big sweeping changes really anywhere across the lineup. Um, But I I would also be surprised if if nothing happens at all. It it feels like something's building here. I just don't know that it's going to be all that significant. Yeah, I mean, just the where the cap situation is right now. So when right now... As we're recording this Friday, Jan Root is the only guy on long-term IR. Um, they obviously have a couple other guys injured. You only get cap relief when a guy is on long-term injured reserve. So they only have cap relief on Ruta right now. When Ruta is activated, they, they can only afford um, one extra forward, one extra defenseman. And then they have about $18,000 left in cap space, which is essentially nothing. Um, right. So if... I, I, you know, I see there's a lot of, there's a lot of players on the market that are like make sense. And you, you see reports saying like, oh, the asking price is, you know, like a prospect in a first round pick. And I see fans be like, okay, well, yeah, well, Penguins should do that. Well, a player has to be moved out to any move the Penguins are going to make, they're going to have to free up cap space. And that's where the problem lies because they don't have a ton of movable assets. That have no, and, and the players that they do that are movable and that, you know, do have a, at least some perceived value around the league, maybe a guy like Jason Zucker, or even if you want to talk about Jake Gensel, those aren't guys that you want to move on from. Right. I mean, they've they're they're staples of, that are part of a, a top six. that's one of the best in the league when they're when they're really clicking. So it's like, OK, then you start getting further down the lineup and you look at a guy maybe like Brock McGinn, who you'd love to get out from under his cap hit in the remaining two years on his deal but is anybody really going to want to take that contract on either just to to move another guy out? So, um, you know, I, that's where I keep coming back to. I, I 
don't think the Penguins should absolutely just move on from their first round pick in next year's draft if if they don't have to. But I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that it should be untouchable, right? Like that's going to be one of your top assets that you that you have here, especially because you are up against the cap. And I, I know that doesn't help your cap situation by moving it, uh, but that's got to be at least a big part of the picture here if there's going to be some sort of meaningful return coming back. Yeah, I know – you know, heck, Saul, they want to start thinking about the future. They don't want to mortgage in the future too much. Um, but they're also kind of in a point where you have to be in win now. You got to be either in or out. They're kind of doing this halfway thing where they're, they are, they don't want to mortgage in the future too much. But they're at the point where this team, when the core is gone, is going to be so bad that I don't think that that first arm, if they keep that first arm pick or not, it's not going to really move the needle. They're going to be a basement team at, for a couple of years. Anyway, you figure when the core is gone, um, by the time, you know, if they keep that first round pick and they make a pick by the time that kid's ready to make the NHL, if he does make the NHL, Malkin's going to be on a boat somewhere fishing in Florida. Like, <laughs> As he does. Right, well, th- th- that's exactly where I'm at. You're, you're not even a full season into the first season after you just signed all of Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Ricard Raquel, Brian Rust to long-term contracts. Now, I thought that was the right call because that still helps you and it keeps you in win-now mode because those guys are all basically checked in at lower rates than they probably would have got on the open market and probably at lower rates than what the Penguins would have had to sign other guys to fill those roles. So you're telling me that less than a season into that endeavor that you're not going to be willing to move on from that first round pick that like you said if they even do make the NHL is going to be past the point of those guys' expiration dates as effective players as well so I you know yes you you do you don't want to just completely forget about the future and I don't think anyone's going to sit here and say yeah I'm not going to care about Penguins hockey in another you know six seven years but the reality is I I think everyone would take another you know decent shot at a cup run here at the expense of that absolutely yeah and it, so I would I would absolutely not roll out moving a first round pick if I were the one making the decision still it comes back to like which players are going to be moved out I know uh, a lot of the comments and whatever I see on social media, the, it seems to boil down the strategy should be like, they should move out all their bad players for other teams, good players, which like you said, like McGinn with his cap hit, um, you know, just under like 3 million. If, if a team is looking to round out their bottom six, they can get someone for cheaper, um, probably more effective with, you know, less term on the contract. So that, you know, that's a problem. Um, Dumoulin, again, uh, he's, he's, a rental, you would build rental for any team acquiring. Well, I, I, I think the other problem in, in any kind of conversation about moving out Dumoulin is that I'm not so sure that the Penguins or Mike Sullivan, Ron Hextall, I don't think they necessarily want to move on from Brian Dumoulin. It's, it's still, there's just like a general feeling um, that, you know, that, that they think they're the old Dumoulin is still in there. And, and I'll admit that Dumoulin has, has not been the disaster that he was earlier in the season, but I think he kind of set the floor so low for himself that now that he's just kind of getting by it's like ooh, like dumo's playing better but like he it's still kind of a, a pretty glaring issue here i think if you just and i know we're getting a, on a little bit of a tangent here but if you could just keep if you watch his play you're it's like is that really the kind of play you expect from somebody playing on your top pairing but again um he's probably not a guy that's going out either so then you know your options here starting to get really really limited yeah um even if you know they 
Dumoulin were someone again. He's he's he would be a rental. He's not exactly the kind of rental that like a contender would want. Um, he also you have a lot of these guys have like limited no trade clauses, no movement clauses. So and if you look around the the league at how you know how many teams have really as much cap space as the Penguins have. Um, a lot of the league is in the same boat as the Penguins have. Very few teams have ample cap space. So if the Penguins were to make a cap dump, look to make a cap dump with someone like Dumoulin, he could like utilize his no trade clause and really just fill it with the teams that do have the cap space and kind of, you know, neutralize any chance of that happening. Um, that is something players do. I mean, that's how Phil Kessel kind of forced the trade to, um, Arizona because you know he had like, right. his yes list and he filled it with all teams that like it obviously would not happen to and then Arizona it's like he kind of forced their hand um I mean yeah so, so a lot of guys have clauses like that to make like Jeff Carter I know everyone wants Jeff Carter gone there, there there's yeah, he, no he's way not going anywhere <laughs> there's no way of getting rid of Jeff Carter he has a full no movement clause which means can't be traded without his consent and again probably not the kind of player that uh contenders like yeah we we need him on the team that's he's the missing piece with the way he you know his season's going it means he can't be sent down to the minors without his consent he's obviously not going to consent to be going, going down to Wilkes-Barre um and he's on a 35 plus contract which means that like if he retires um no cap relief and the, if the Penguins if they there's no cap relief from buying him out so shut that down Yeah, no, Carter's not going anywhere. And uh, lucky everyone, they've got him for another year at that cap hit as well. Uh, But let's shift our gears here and kind of focus on the areas that we think should be looked to upgrade and maybe who is out there on the market that the Penguins could maybe take a stab at. Yeah, I mean, the, the third line, right? Uh, it's it's the third line, but like <laughs> it, it, it's got to be the third line. I see a lot of people talking about goaltending and even adding another defenseman, which just sounds absolutely absurd to me. But I I don't even think it's like the third line. I think they need a third line center. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe you know, and if if they can bring in a third line center, then you put Jeff Carter maybe back on the wing or in the press box if you know they can get to that. If if I'm looking to move someone out, it's Jan Ruda. Right, because I, Jan Ruda, not not that Jan Ruda is having a bad season or that he's a problem, but two point seven five million as your third pairing defenseman, that's a luxury that's like really. I mean, they're barely affording it now, and you have guys like Chad Ruedel, Mark Friedman, who are downgrades, but not downgrades um, that make the two million difference worth it. So I would absolutely look to be moving Jan, even though they just signed Jan Ruda. I'm looking to move out Jan Ruda, put that two million dollars into fixing the third line. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, an, another one of those guys is kind of on that like tiny list of, okay, maybe you could move that guy out, but then it's, you sit there and think, okay, would Hextall really move on from that guy after signing him to a multi-year deal as well, even if it would help the team? Um, I, I kind of think what happened with Ruda because he was signed on the first day of free agency, which was before um, they went out and acquired Jeff Petrie. So I'm assuming that um, you know, their initial talks with Petrie just didn't really pan out. And they're like, all right, well, we're just going to go get Jan Ruta's is our fallback option. And then Petrie fell into their laps anyway. And then they're like, oh, crap, now we've got this this luxury on our third pairing. Um, so um, I, I, I would imagine that there are some teams out there that might be interested in him, especially because his cap hit isn't all that crazy. And, and you know, he's, he's not anything special, but he is a, a steady player that, you know, is probably has a pretty 
decently high floor for the kind of caliber player he is. And that does have value around the league. Um, as, as far as like third line center trade debt targets that are out there, um, I've, I've seen a lot of names thrown out there and I'm not so sure that any of them are all that enticing to me. I, I, most of them would be obviously better options than Jeff Carter would be in that role. Um, but I, I haven't seen any that like, okay, that's, that's the guy they need to go get. Have, have you seen anybody that you think, uh, could be, could be a good fit? I mean, I think any like any name that's out there, it's like, well, that might be an improvement over Jeff Carter. <laughs> I don't see anyone that's like, okay, that's the third line center of a cup contending team right now. Um, so it might just be, you know, you take what you can get in this market. Yeah, I, I think you can take when, what you can get in this market. Um, but the other thing I... And I, I've seen guys um, like Ivan Barbashev from from the Blues. That, he's been a, a pretty big name, um, at, at least among fans, as, as a potential trade target for the Penguins. He's he's put up points and, and scored a little bit here over the past two seasons. But I, I think he's even if he's adding a little bit of that scoring, his defensive metrics have been very very poor. Even though he's kind of he's got those you know gritty characteristics that everybody loves that thinks you make think makes you a, a good defensive player, whether it's actually true or not. Um, but I, I think as far as a, a third line center is concerned, I think the Penguins should be more focused on getting a guy that's going to have positive impacts on possession and be maybe a little less concerned with the scoring because obviously you're going to need that depth scoring from the third line, but that depth scoring is not really going to matter all that much if you're going out there and, and getting your heads bashed in in terms of possession and chances when you're out there. Because we're kind of seeing that with Kasperi Kapanen right now. Like he's, he's putting up some points this year and it's it's not great or, or really what you would want from his cap hit but he is putting up points at a decent rate considering how much time he's playing but it doesn't matter because every time he's out there the penguins are getting out chanced and outscored with jeff carter and, and brock mcginn on his line as well yeah and i know they have options in-house that can play center ryan paling uh drew connor i'm not convinced that they're the option either an option to be a permanent center right now um Drew O'Connor, I mean, Sullivan has said on a number of times that they just prefer him on the wing at the NHL level. Um, and with both O'Connor and Paling, um, face-offs, I guess, would be a concern if you're looking at a permanent you know, third-line center. O'Connor yeah. really hasn't been a center much at all at this level. Paling um, has you know, the worst face-off percentage of any guy that's kind of spent even a couple games because he has played a couple games at center this season. His, his face-off percentage is like 42%. And I mean, that's a quite a big drop off from Jeff Carter. I mean, one of the things that is keeping Jeff Carter in the lineup is that he is like their number one face off guy by far, you know, Crosby, Malk and Bluger all kind of hovering around like 52%, 53%. Jeff Carter's up at that, like he's close to 60% on his draws. Like, I mean, they've been using him, you know, like overtime, they'll send him out there. He'll take the face off. He'll get out. So yeah, I, I was just going to say, if, if you want to know how much they value Carter's face off of ability, just go look at the fact that he's out there. He's what is it? The past two or three overtimes that he was out there to, to take the opening draw. Yeah. 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 The past it start. Yeah. Well, they had like three overtime games in a row. And that's kind of that where, where he started doing it. So, um, I think if, yeah, it's not like you can go out and just acquire like a third line, like a winger and then move one of their current guys to center. I, it, it, I think you need to go out there and get a center. Um, 
we're uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna look a little ahead uh, until later in the season on the other other things. We're gonna obviously you know keep talking about the trade deadline uh, every week until it happens. There's a gonna be a lot to talk about. So we're gonna take a break. Uh, stay with us, and we'll be right back. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, and we are back. Uh, we're going to look a little way too far ahead to this coming <laughs> off season. The Penguins obviously have a number of um, key guys becoming free agents that will have to make some tough decisions on, especially with the flat cap. And probably, I'm not going to say the biggest, but one of the biggest names is, is Jason Zucker, um, set to become an unrestic- unrestricted free agent. Um, his current contract that carries a $5.5 million cap hit expires what uh what would you do with that um well if if we asked this question like a month ago everybody in penguins land was like you gotta re-sign jason zucker i don't know how you re-sign jason zucker and i kind of felt like i was taking crazy pills because i've been the one the past you know two three years while zucker's been struggling that's like zucker's a good player and can really really help this team and like he he can be a valuable valuable member if he finally gets healthy and everything falls in line um and now that he's finally playing and uh playing really well i'm the one that's sitting here like whoa whoa like are, are we sure that you want to bring this guy back um just th- where i'm at with it is that it, this guy's had so many so many injuries like and and they're not just they're not just insignificant injuries too like they're they're kind of debilitating and and even now they seem to be somewhat chronic he zucker has been struggling a little bit lately and it, it seems I don't know. I, I haven't noticed anything with his skating stride, but it, he t- t- just doesn't necessarily have that same tenacity and energy that he maybe had a month or two ago. Um, and and that's fine. I mean, they they don't necessarily need him playing at the level he did through the maybe the first month or two of the season. Um, but I, I just really, really struggle for a guy who showed signs of wear and tear over the past couple of seasons, turns around and has a really good season and a contract year, and then you want to sign him again. To, to And he's a guy that's probably going to get a, a three or four year deal, I would have to imagine, even considering the injuries that he's dealt with. It's just, I feel like that is extremely risky business to bring him back. I mean... You look at yeah. You look at his injury history. Going back to last year, when he was he was pretty much dealing with that core muscle injury for the entire year. Um, you know, he was in and out. Even when he was in, he was not a hundred percent. He remember he started taking like those maintenance days in practices, and then he's been taking like he was like he had like a maintenance day, <laughs> kind of like once a week, and then he would be out, then he'd come back in and be out. Um, so it. That yeah, that absolutely was concerning. Um, I don't, I don't know how much of, yeah. You said he's not playing as well as he was a month ago. I don't, I don't know if that's like a oh, you know, his injury, groin, core muscle, whatever it was, is acting up again because we haven't seen them 
like, you know, manages minutes or they take maintenance days like we have seen before when that was the issue. So I feel like this might just be more of like a lull or like a funk he's in. Uh, and he can get back to where he, cause you know, when he is at his best, he can drive that line. And it, I feel like how, how, how long has it taken to find like a, a, a winger that's had this level of chemistry that Malkin and him can have like when Zucker is at his best. And I don't know if, if, if he does walk, then what happens? What, what do you do out there on the open market? Are you going to find someone who's as effective? For well, with the limited cap space paying the Well, th- that's the thing, though. If they don't look to to bring a guy like Zucker back, they are. I know they're going to have several holes that they need to to fill there, but they will have a little bit of money to work with, depending on. And again, this is going down a path that we necessarily don't want to touch on right now. But it all depends on what's going to happen with Tristan Jari and his next contract, and whether he's back. Um, but they they will have a little bit of wiggle room if, if they get creative and, and make some decisions there. Um, but I just struggle with it because if he's not in the lineup, it doesn't matter what kind of chemistry he has with Malkin. And and I'm using the exact talking points that I used to argue against here when everybody was like, move on from Zucker, trade Zucker away. And now, now I'm the one repeating those, but I I just struggle to, to see a scenario playing out where this is going to be a guy who's healthy for 75% of his games over the next, what is it? Even two or three seasons, if that's what his contract ends up being. Yeah. I also, think that, you know, just given that it is um, flat cap, a lot of teams are in the same situation that we talked about. A lot of guys, even if they did test free agency, they might not be able to get the money that they were to get, they would be able to get in a normal situation. And I mean, Zucker, he is, he is 31. The teams that do have able cap space, like Arizona, are not going to have much use for like a Jason Zucker. Because by the time, you know, like Arizona is like done rebuilding, like Jason Zucker's not going to be a young guy right, right. Um, who's this effective for sure. So that might help the Penguins and that, you know, Jason Zucker um, and his agent, if they think that, you know, they, it might be worth it to, you know, take, I, I, who's, who knows what the Penguins are going to offer. They might wait. Well, so so I, I guess the question then becomes what, what, what number would you feel comfortable bringing Zucker at in terms of an, an annual cap hit? Honestly, I don't know. I think that's something that it depends. You just said that what happens a lot with Tristan Jari because that depends on how much money the Penguins have to. Okay, well, let's say money. Let's say money is not an issue. Obviously, it's going to be. But like, what what's your cutoff point for Zucker and saying, okay, I I just can't justify giving you that. I don't know if I'd give him much of a raise at all because I mean a raise. Yeah, like a raise. he probably could get a raise on the open market for, at 5.5 uh. for, uh, for here's the thing. I think when we're like anyone who like has followed the Penguins forever, I think has like Crosby's cap hit as throws them off as like, yeah. you know, cause you, you like Crosby makes eight. And it's like, okay, that's, you know, like we're, we're the top. That's what the best players get. Like, no, you look at, what, like, yeah, then you look at McDavid's making 12 and a half. Yeah. But you look at what other top six swingers like, like Zucker getting around the league. He probably could get a raise if he did hit the open market. Maybe not a big one. I, uh, I, I, I suppose he could. Yeah. But th- that's still not the question here. I, it's, <laughs> the question here is what is your cutoff point? My cutoff point 
if, if you're signing him to a multi-year deal, which he's almost assuredly going to get, I'm sure a guy like him with his injury history is going to want to secure a, a multi-year deal. So assuming that we're talking about a two or three-year deal here, I, I really don't know that I can see myself wanting to go over anything like four and a half. And, and that might not be fair to him for the caliber of player that he still is right now, but just the concerns that I have about his availability going forward and even, even his play falling off. I mean that he showed signs of his play falling off each of the previous two seasons. And that's not all that out of character for a guy with his playing style at this stage of his career. Again, I think if you can give him an extra year to like drive the, the cap hit down, do it because where's this team going to be in four years? Yeah. We're just going full scorched earth here. (laughs) So it doesn't matter if you can give him four years and, you know, keep that, like take us cap it down to like four, four and a half. Again, do it because this, the the team's going to be so bad. And and by then it, it doesn't matter. Um, Like you look at Russ contract, like the, so they could structure like the way that they did Russ, Russ, um, six years. Russ has, you know, Russ, he, he got a raise, but he probably got less than he could have gotten if he wanted, if he went to hit the open market, especially yeah, no with, doubt. like a team like Detroit, like his hometown that had the cap space. Russ contract, the first three years, he has a no movement clause. The last three, he has no protection at all. So if you do something like that, let's look at her, like, you know, give him, give him, if he, cause he has a modified no, no trade clause now. If he, if he wants that, you give him that and then give him nothing in the last couple of years. So, when this team is bad and everything's done and they're tanking, um, then then you ship them out for for assets. I think that's what that's what I'd be looking to do. Give them a long deal because it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I guess I could get on board with that, especially when you consider like I, I know Sidney Crosby's having like a ridiculously good season for uh, a player. Th- the age of 35 or older. Um, but that drop-off is is going to come eventually. And even if it's not a, a stark drop-off next season, like Evgeny Malkin's going to be a year older at 37. And I think there's a very real chance that he probably won't be a point-per-game player, even if he's near it. Um, so we're, we're probably looking at this season and maybe next season where they you can make like a legitimate case that they could still make a, a run at a cup with this core that they have and some of their top players. So I, I guess if you can get Zucker back in, in maybe that four and a half, five range and throw term at him, so be it. Yeah. Speaking of the future, uh, a good time to take another break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some prospects. So stay with us. And we are back. And I know the question, I get it, you get it all the time from people on social media, people in the comments. In regards to the prospects, is when are we going to see Alex Nylander and when are we going to see Valtteri Pustinen in the NHL? What do you say? Um, I get that question probably every day. And, and I will admit that I'm probably guilty of, uh, I guess, pandering to some of those people earlier in the year as well when, you know, the, the third line continued to struggle and the bottom six as a whole continued to struggle. But the, the reality of the situation is the Penguins are just not going to call these guys up when they know they're going to have to send them back down. And, and that's just the reality of their situation with the, with being up against the salary cap. They, they cannot fit either of those guys under the cap on the NHL roster um, w- without moving 
salary out elsewhere or someone else being out on on LTIR. And um, even when they have had LTIR space, again, they don't want to bring those guys up and like, let's say Pustin and just immediately slots in and is playing really well. And it's like, oh, crap. Well, now we're going to look like idiots because we have to send them back down because we don't have any cap space. So I feel like they're just not going to put themselves in that position at all, whether the players have earned that or not. Yeah. And you know, we're talking about openings in the bottom six. Neither of these guys are great fits in a bottom six. I would say P- Pustinen w- better if you're looking for like someone to come in on the third line. Yeah, Pustinen's a guy I could see on the third line. Yeah, he. I think long-term, ideally, you'd project him as like a top six player. But I think he has, you know, he's he's not a lot. He's not, his defensive game is not one of his strengths of his game. Um but he's not a liability. He's never been a liability. Um, I know that's, you know, concern. I think everyone has with like European players, but they can come over adjusting to especially the smaller eyes, especially smaller players like him, but that that's just not a concern. Yeah, it's not at all. Um, he has the pace to like add energy to the bottom six if he's needed. Um, Alex Nylander. I mean, you, you asked, like I asked Mike Sullivan about like Alex Nylander in camp. Like what does he need to do to get up to this level? And, you know, Mike Sullivan said, you know, his play away from the puck needs to improve and his pace needs to improve, which it does not sound like, you know, he's in the running for like a shot in the bottom six at any point um, when his play away from the puck is a concern. I, you know, he, I've, I talked to, I talked to, you know, JD Forrest, Wilkesbury coach um, about Nylander a couple times this season. And I, I, you see it, Nylander putting up the points he, he had, he's like 19 goals, 19 assists, something like that. Um, through the year, he neither of these players have any problem scoring. It's the other stuff that's kind of holding them back. Um, me later, I have talked to JD about like you know, like obviously he no problem scoring at all. Has he made improvements? Do you think as far as his play away from the putt goes? And JD has said yes, like and he's pointed out specifically with his physicality. Um, over the course of the season, something JD said when I asked him this, it was like maybe a week or two ago, he said, Nylander has thrown more hits in the last month than he did like all of last season. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that, um, he's, he's, he said he's making an effort to be more, um, I guess harder to play against is the term he used, which is, you know, Sullivan's favorite. Uh, I, I, I guess, I guess that can be considered a good thing, but then you start to wonder with, with a player like that and, and the skills that he has, it's like, is he going out of his way and maybe taking away from some of the strengths of his game to like do that? Cause just because he is being, you know, engaging physically and, and trying to do those things doesn't mean he's doing it effectively. And, I, and I'm not speaking on it one way or the other. Cause I, I, just truly haven't seen enough of him to say. Um, but like, I, I look back at a guy like Sam Lafferty, who they tried to throw into like almost like a Brandon Tanev mold and just go out there and be the energy guy and run around and hit. And while Sam Lafferty maybe doesn't possess the skills to be a middle six or, or top six guy in this league, he definitely had a little bit of skills. You'd see, you know, once or twice a season, he'd make a really nice pass that wowed you. And then in training camp, he had the highlight real goals. Um, so I, I almost look at, at that and I again like you said Nealander's not a guy who is ever going to project to play in a bottom six let alone Mike Sullivan's bottom six where you've got to kill penalties and be tough to play against so I, I just I'm kind of curious to see what's all going to happen with this and, and Nealander's really at the age now where like if it doesn't happen soon it's it's probably never going to happen 
Yeah, he's uh, not. He's 24. He's he turns 25 um, in a couple weeks. He's not exactly a prospect anymore. Um, the other thing that p- comes up with both of them is that neither of them kill penalties. And there's this, uh, you see people just repeat it, that like, well, if, you know, to be in the bottom six, they're like, they have to kill penalties. They can't come up if they don't kill penalties, even for like a couple games. Like, well, they, they, you know, they have to kill penalties. Explain the existence of Dayton Heinen then, because like how many games has Dayton Heinen played in the bottom six this year? You know how many, how much total penalty kill time he has? 25 seconds. Which it's is funny too. I, I just I just find that funny too because he he gets all like uh, when the Penguins are practicing special teams like uh, some of the guys that kill penalties like Rust and Carter they're on the power play units so the the extra skaters out there like Heinen will yeah. go out on the penalty kill um, and and Heinen's not some like defensive stalwart or anything but you know I I think he he could at least be decent on the penalty kill and it's kind of crazy that he doesn't get more of a look there. Um, because Heinen has not been anywhere close to the level he was at last season, but you can't tell me that he wouldn't probably at least be playing as well as Brock McGinn with maybe even a little more offensive upside. Right. Um, so it, it's just wild to me that, that he's been out of the lineup, and I know we're straying yeah. here from our yeah. prospect talk. Yeah, but it, the point remains that Dan Heinen has you know how many games in the bottom six without killing penalties. So it's not, it's not a requirement. Now, Sullivan has brought up, you know, like, with someone like Drew O'Connor, who does project long-term as like, you know, like a third-line guy. Yeah, long-term, you want him to be able to kill penalties. So for someone like Drew O'Connor, who does project to that be his role, last season when O'Connor goes down, Sullivan's like, yeah, while he's down there, we need him to get better at penalties because when he comes up, that's where he's going to be. But even for a couple games, it's not a requirement. I mean, Jonathan Gruden... Jonathan Gruden is Wilkes-Barre's best penalty-killing forward. He comes up his first... I think two games he didn't get penalty kill time. Like it. Just yeah, he, he, I think he was. In fact, I think he actually went out there for like a kill in his first game and like missed an assignment or or they, even they just got like scored on while yeah. he was out there and like he just didn't see the ice on the kill again. Yeah, it's it's not a requirement. They have enough other guys on the team who can kill penalties that it, if it's just like a, a game or two, it, it they don't they don't have to kill penalties. Um, but anyway, moving on. Let's talk. Let's talk goalies, and also talk about my probably my new favorite Penguins prospect. Is okay. So, like uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the question, uh, the, I feel like the other question I get all the time on prospects is like rank the goalies. They got four goalie prospects in the system under NHL contract or, or drafted um, by the NHL team. Two of them are are in Wilkes-Barre, Philip Lindbergh. And uh, Taylor Gauthier, uh, who's been there since, you know, like, Tukarski got called up. And then in Europe, they have Sergei Mershov in the Russian Junior League. And they have Yol Blomquist in uh, the Finnish top league. He's a starter this year. He was a backup in that league uh, uh, last year. I know wh- where I would rank them. What would you do? Uh, do we want to go from the top down here? Or do I feel we like go we, we're, we agree on the number one. The uh, number one, the number one has to be Sergei Mershov. Yeah, Sergei Mershov is over in Russia. He's playing like the video game on like easy mode. Like he has cheat codes on. He's putting up stupid numbers over there. Um, you're pulling up, I guess, like in the system where I have it, or his pull up his like. It's like I like something like almost like a third or like half of his starts are shutouts. And part of that is that he's playing on like 
you know, a good team, but he has so many games where he doesn't even let in multiple goals. He's insane. Um, yeah, I, I'm pulling up his numbers here because like you literally would not believe these numbers. Like it, it looks like you, like you said, you put the, you put the difficulty on rookie mode and you're just like running through your, on, on your be a pro on NHL. I don't know why I can't. Fo- okay, here we go. Sergei Murashov has played 40 games in the MHL this season. He has a 951 save percentage with a 145 goals against average and 11, 11 shutouts. Yeah. He's getting a shutout in more than 25% of his games this season. That is just absurd. And he also played a game in the KHL, Mm -hmm. which he posted a 940 save percentage and, and only gave up one goal. Yeah, so he went straight up, you know, like the Russian, the way it works. There's the KHL, there's the VHL, that's the minor league, the MHL. So he's in the junior league because um, he was, he's young. He was just drafted, you know, this past summer. He got called up um, one game to the KHL. He, he's been up in the KHL off and on, like backing up. Um, but yeah, he's, he's only gotten out one game. We're not going to see him over here anytime soon. He is signed. And, and he, he hasn't even been over here yet. Yeah, like he, he, he obviously not able to come over for like development camp or anything like that. It's not the easiest time to get Russian players over crazy. Um, but, uh, he is signed in Russia through next season. Um, and I mean, even under normal circumstances, you're not going to get him out of that. Um, but yeah, just bringing Russian players over right, right now, not ideal. Um, and again, ideally he'd have some time over in the KHL regular playing time in the KHL, maybe as a starter before he does make that jump. He's so young. And, with the way Russian players work, because the NHL and the Russian Ice Hockey Federation don't have a transfer agreement, when you draft a Russian prospect, their rights don't expire. You keep them forever. He could stay over there until he's 40 years old. The Penguins have his rights. Um, so, yeah, he's number one. Number two, I would go with Blomquist. I, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I would go Blomquist. Uh, before the season, it might have been Lindbergh, but yes. Lindbergh hasn't been all that great this year. So I mean, Blomquist, you know, he was putting – he was – like putting up, shut, he was a backup last year in the in the Finnish league, and he was putting up shutouts like every third start. He took over as the starter in the playoffs over there, and had like a, he had a, his goals against average was under two in the playoffs. They got knocked out in the first round. Um, this year, as a starter, he hasn't been so great. He's also been hurt for a lot of the year. Um, he had a concussion in like very early in the year, it was October. Um, Missed a couple of weeks. He's been out since December with another concussion. Um, both of them, it came from just a player running into him, um, like crashing the net. Uh, so that's a concern. Uh, you don't know when he's going to be back or, if, you know, so that, again, that's a concern. But I, even knowing that, I, he's still number, number two for me. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. Um, and and Lindbergh, I, I was at least intrigued by him. I don't I don't want to like totally write him off because of the season he's having, but it kind of felt like this was the season where it was like, okay, we're we're gonna kind of figure out who you are now at this point because I I believe he's what twenty three years old now. Um, so it was, and again, goaltending is a little different than skater prospects, but you're you're kind of nearing that point where it's like, all right, we we need to start seeing a, at least a path here where we kind of know which direction that's going to go. And I I don't know that we actually have seen which direction that path's going to go based off the season he's having right now. 
well, I mean, first of all, the Wilkes-Barre, the team in front of him, has not been good. <laughs> They're no, like kind of they've been hovering around the last last in the division for for a lot of the year now. So the team in front of him hasn't been that good. I would I don't think it would be fair to really say like oh he you know fell off from last season because he barely played last season. Um, what he had like six or seven games before he you know got hurt his ankle done for the year. Um, yeah, so he's not he's not playing quite as well right, this year. But but to that to that point, like including those six seven games and, and prior to that though, like it it was hard to to not at least perk an eye up at, at the numbers he had. Yeah, I mean this season eight ninety six uh, save percentage three point thirteen goals against average in nineteen games played. He's he's been very streaky. Um, like he'll have a game where he gets lit up. Like he had two games. Um, just now where like maybe like a week or two ago where he, he got pulled two games in a row and then he comes in and he makes like 33 saves on 34 shots. And like, it sounds like Casey DeSmith. <laughs> honestly, like, it, that's kind of the year he's been having. Um, so I, he, you know, he, he also had an injury not related to his past one that kept him out um, for uh, a couple weeks around Christmas time. That during that time, Taylor Gauthier, who Taylor Gauthier was the kid they signed out of Portland in the WHL um, for undrafted free agent over this last spring. Taylor Gauthier, just because they have so many you know goalies, because Dustin Takar skews down there too. Gauthier started the year in Wheeling. He's putting up all right numbers again. Wheeling not that great. Um, he gets called up when Lindbergh gets hurt and starts getting some playing time. He's been very good. Um, he, and he 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 is a rookie. I mean, he has a nine eighteen save percentage, two point forty two goals against average. That's pretty good for this Wilkesbury team. Um, he he has a winning record too. He's six two and one. Um, Lindbergh does not. Uh, Taylor Goche. He said, it, you know, since Takarski's been up, it's been Goche and Lindbergh down there, and Goche's had to come in for for Lindbergh a couple times, and Goche's had um, great games in relief, but. Uh, it, I don't know where I would, both of them are first year. The Lindbergh's a rookie. Lindbergh's still a rookie. He's still considered right. a rookie. I, I don't know if I would like rank one above the other at this point. Gauthier's having a better season, but they're both. Uh, all, all that's important here is that Murashov is number one. Yes. Yes. Murashov, Blomquist, Blomquist, I, I, He's someone that maybe like had he stayed healthy and had like a great year in Finland. I'd be like thinking like maybe he comes over next year and plays in Wilkesbury. But at this point, with him missing so much time, I'm thinking it's still another year in Finland for him. Yeah, I, I, I would have to think so too. Yeah. So uh, that's where things stand. I don't know. Any other prospects you want to touch on before we uh, sign off? Uh, um, I know who I want to talk about Nolan Collins. Yeah, Buy yeah, go ahead. Talk in Nolan Collins right now. Um, Nolan Collins, the Penguins don't have many, well, they don't have many defense prospects, but they don't have many big defense prospects. And it seems like, it seemed like this past draft, um, there's maybe an effort to, to get bigger. Um, you, th- you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, <laughs> with, with you the exception in, of, with the exception of Zam Plant. Plant. You say you add in Zam Plant and actually all kind of averages out, but um, Nolan Collins, um, six foot three, 194. That's at 18 years old. There are not a lot of 18 year old kids who are as big as he is now. And he plays big. I mean, he's a physical, um, defenseman, um, right-handed defenseman too, which like they've had. And, and it, 
he skates pretty well for his size too. He does. Um, he plays with an edge. He's like kind of nasty. He has that element to his game and he fights. Not that that's like a big part of the game anymore, but he's been getting in fights this season. Um, you know, talking to him, something he wanted to get better at this season, which is like his, his offensive game and producing more. And he has been doing that. Um, last season, last season, um, in the OHL, 18 points in 65 games. This season, he has 20 in 45. He's in, he's in he's playing in Sudbury OHL. He's um, on the top pairing there. He a six round pick. Um, that wasn't even like a six round pick they had. They traded they traded to to get that pick to get him. Yeah, the, there was something that they liked about yeah, him. That's not that they moved out much to get him. They moved out Liam Gorman a forward prospect from Princeton, which like at the time, if you'd have asked me like who is the most unremarkable prospect in the system, it would have been <laughs> Gorman. But it's not like they shipped out a lot to get this pick to get Nolan Collins. But um, I mean, pretty uh, first six round pick, if he can pan out, I think, it, you know, it, when, if, when he does get signed, we're still, I mean, we're a couple of years away. He's 18. He's going to be, in uh, I, I mean, the, the, he's going to be a prospect. The pick might have been worth it alone for his hair. I mean, that, that kid has some incredible hair on his head. He does. Yeah, he uh, it's he has a lot of it. That's that's what it is. But um, yeah, they don't again, they don't have very many big prospects. Definitely not a whole lot of big defensive prospects. If he can pan out, um, I know he's uh, he's maybe we'll uh, be looking at a, a Pickering Collins pairing here at some point in the future. That would be a very big, uh, a big that'd be a, pairing. Yeah, that'd be a big boy pairing right there. Yeah, the future um, of the last place Penguins after the cord's gone and Malkin's on that fishing boat in. Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's that. I mean, we're gonna. I feel like talk about prospects every week. Like we said before, you know, like I could, I could talk about prospects every um i couldn't go down the line but we're gonna wrap it up because we've been talking for too much um thanks again for joining us on a podcast on fifth Ave. again we are going to be dropping episodes every weekend now danny's new co-host we're back for real this time we're, we're back, back. <laughs> we're back uh thanks again for joining us and we hope you'll join us again next week 